Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Leadership Conversations. This is Casey Cease, and today we have a special guest, Aaron Bunker. Aaron Bunker is a licensed professional counselor with an undergraduate degree in psychology from the University of Houston, also my alma mater, and a graduate degree in marriage and family therapy from Liberty University. He is also a certified sex therapist and clinical member of the American Board of Christian Sex Therapy. He has spent many years of his counseling career working as a therapist in both a church and private practice. His greatest passion is working with couples, empowering them to make their marriages stronger, deeper, and more vulnerable. Aaron is madly in love with his wife, Hannah, and honored to be a father of his twin kiddos. As a family, they enjoy searching for fun food experiences and can usually be found in a local coffee shop. They live in Houston, Texas, where Aaron runs his counseling practice. Aaron, thanks so much for joining me today on Leadership Conversations. How's it going, man? Hey, it's good, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron, recently, tell us a little bit about the book you just published. It's an important book. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, just published a book with Lucid Books. It's called A Stronger Knot, uh, Tying Together a United Marriage. Um, basically, this book kind of started, um, I guess it was birthed probably 10, 10 years ago now, or almost 12 years ago now. But the idea of the book is kind of me, as, me and my wife together, we came up with a list of, of family rules um, for our family to abide by. Um, things like in our home, we love God, we love people, um, we're honest, things like that. There's about nine of them. And so what we did is I, I wrote this book, um, kind of tackling those nine topics um, in a very clinical, um, try, I'm trying to make clinical um, you know, thoughts and procedures in a very tangible, practical way that's easy to read. You know, it's funny, a lot of the people who have read the book, they're like, Aaron, I hear your voice when, you're, when I'm reading the book, which is good. That's what I wanted, so. No, that's, that's a good job when you do that. So yeah, and, and we'll talk more about the substance of the book a little bit later on. But the primary reason I brought Aaron on the show today um, is because a lot of our listeners are in various levels of leadership, whether it's church leadership as pastors, or their counselors or their business owners. Um, but but one of the things that Aaron deals with um, pretty frequently when he's counseling folks is he's a human. And while he's a follower <laughs> of Jesus, but he's a human and he has he, he carries heavy burdens and I was just pressing in saying like, how do you, how do you keep from that just spilling over all the time at home? Because a lot of leaders I work with both in the ministry world and in business, um, their, their, their worlds collide. And, and the sad thing is, is a lot of times, um, that folks, um, you know, the, the family is the one that pays for the marriage and the family is the one that pays for the heavy burdens that the pastor or the CEO or the entrepreneur carry. And so I invited Aaron on the show today to talk with us about um, some of the practices in practical ways that we can think as leaders on how to pr- process through heavier things, whether you're a business owner and finances are really tough or you're a counselor and you're dealing with a lot of heavy issues or you're a pastor and you're, you know, you're having to deal and, and carry a load of people. And so, Aaron, why don't you walk us through, you, you'd, you'd written, you know, some, you know, a couple steps for us to think about today, kind of four ways on us helping helping leaders to think through how to um, carry that load a little bit better and a little bit in a little bit healthier manner. Yeah, absolutely. Case. I think this is such a, an important topic because like you said, we're all dealing with really um, heavy things, you know? And so it came up with four kind of points to kind of be able to take care of yourself and, and not, not let this stuff just overwhelm us and, and daunt us and just kind of consume our minds. So the first one we came up with um, is self-care. 
right? Um, self-care is something we talk about all the time, right? I think, you know, as leaders, I think we're often really good about telling others to do self-care. <laughs> and then we kind of neglect our own self-care. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks about, you know, loving, you know, it says basically Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment, right? And he says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, mm. um, which I think is really important, right? Like the Bible just kind of assumes that we love ourselves well. And, you know, if we don't love ourselves well, there's no way we can love others well. You know, and, and I think that's, you know, this, it's this idea that we have to be able to take care of ourselves. I mean, I'll give you some, some tangible ways that I kind of do that um, for me personally. Like, for example, this past weekend, this past weekend, I told my wife, I was like, man, I just need to be able to, to step away for just a couple of hours, right? And so I kind of I stepped away. She let me watch some golf. We had a golf tournament this past weekend that I got to watch. Um, just a few hours. Um, but sometimes that's, that's, that's small things, right? Cause we can't always have a couple of hours. Sometimes it's 10 or 15 minutes a day where I can just kind of decompress whether I'm reading a book, whether it's writing, actually, I, I've, you know, when I was writing this book, I realized that, you know, that oftentimes I don't think I take good care of myself. Um, I think, and I, and I, and I realized this idea that resting um, and doing things that are self-care are things that recharge you, right? It doesn't necessarily mean I'm taking a nap, although let's be honest, naps are fun. Yeah, naps don't hurt. Unless you're four. My kids don't want to take a nap. Right, because they have uh, FOMO, man. They're fear of missing out. So oh, It is so real. Yeah, it is, so, it is real. so real, man. I still struggle with that. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I do, too. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, so I, I say that because writing was actually, that was actually self-care for me. It was actually me sitting down and, you know, cause I'm not writing all the time. I'm with clients a lot of the times. And so when I was writing, it was like, I felt like I felt God kind of telling me that he was redeeming rest for me. Yeah. I, I felt oftentimes when I was doing self-care that I would maybe like binge watch a television show or watch a sporting event or something like that. And, you know, it was nice to kind of turn my brain off, but it, it didn't really recharge me. Yeah. And, and how do you, how do you, you know, cause a lot of leaders I talk with, who don't really have this, especially in the ministry world, right? We're, we're not supposed to be selfish, right? And what's crazy is, let's just be honest, when we don't take care of ourselves proactively, then we often take care of ourselves destructively. <laughs> and so it's like there's still an element of, of self-care or self-medication or something that happens, right? So you might say, well, I don't want to be selfish, but then you catch yourself eating too much or drinking too much or looking at pornography or doing something that is still causing a recharging effect, but it's actually detrimental. And, and so, you know, cause a lot, my, my guess is a lot of folks that, that listen to this podcast are like I used to be where, man, it sure sounds nice to be able to have time to have self care, but I'm just so busy. What, what, what would your rebuttal be to that? Yeah. My rebuttal be with that is that, I get being busy, but I think this is something that you have to make a priority for. Um, yeah. One of my life phrases is be intentional. Yeah. And that's this idea. If we're not going to be intentional about something, we're not going to do it. Um, and I, I agree with you, you know, like this idea that, hey, we don't have time, but we will do something, right? We're, we're going to do the very little thing that we have time for, whether that's like you mentioned, whether that's pornography or whether that's watching television or whether that's not doing anything and just being on our social media. Yeah. And I think oh, I mean like Instagram scrolling, right? Just numb scrolling through. I mean, I, I used to catch myself doing that a ton and my wife and I just yeah. remind each other like, Hey, what's going on over there? 
because, you know, we would just check out and it, it, you know, and, and oddly enough, we need a break sometimes from other people's stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no kidding. That's good. Cause like, we keep diving into them. We keep diving back into the stories. Oh yeah. Cause it, it looks so, looks so fun and, and surreal, right? Or worse off than us. And we feel better about ourselves. Let's just, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, so true. There, there is just this, this thing that goes on there. So, um, the next thing that you sent over to me is, is not my story. Um, Man, you know, I think I think it's one thing that's tough. That's a tough one for those, uh, especially in a ministry position or, you know, people who have more compassionate bent. So uh, talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, so, you see what, like 30 people a week or something like that? Yeah. I see yeah. about 30 so to you, you, a week. You enter 30 to 35 people's story each week. Mm-hmm. So, so that's yeah, so, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm like, I mean, I'm tired. Just thinking I'm like, about I have five, like five counseling sessions or meeting with people or checking on people or visiting people. And it's heavy. You're, you're, I mean, you're like binging on other stories. And so I think you have some authority to talk about, not my story. Talk, talk to us, unpack that for us. Yeah. Let me, let me start off and say that kind of, um, you know, I think being present is one of the hardest things to do, um, in life. Um, because it's, it's, it's very, very um, intentional. It's very, it can be draining and it's hard to stay in the moment and to stay present. And so when I say not my story, I don't mean that we're not present in those sessions, like that we're not present in those counseling sessions, that we're not present in our meetings. We're all there. I'm giving it a hundred percent. I am, as a Bible would talk with, I am, I am mourning with those who are mourning for they shall be comforted. That's what the scripture says. And so I am fully present. I'm trying to be completely aware of my own emotions, um, where I'm at. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I have to go, I am hurting for these people. I'm grieving for these people. And I really am. I, but it is not my story. Um, it is not my story. And what I mean by that is if I carry it on, as if it were my story, then I am going to be no good for everybody in my family. If I am too focused on other people's story that I'm not present, like I just said, being present is such a difficult thing. I will not be present for my own family and ministry work, pouring into individuals, pouring into couples, pouring into meetings is super important. It is a, it is a godly call, but it is not, to be at the expense of my own family and my own, my own, yeah, my own family. Yeah. So that sounds super easy. How does someone start doing that? Because, um, you know, I mean, yeah. I'd love to just put a blinder up my hand. Like, look, I'm fully here with them. I'm weeping with those who weep. I'm rejoicing with those who rejoice. Okay. That's done. Move on to the next person. And maybe I just need to start meeting with 30 people a week because <laughs> I think my brain's like, I just cannot, you know? Um, but, but help, help the listener out there who is like, man, I wish I could have that, but it's sitting there like I am right now with a little bit of angst saying, man, objectively outside of the situation, that sounds awesome. But, but how did you move towards that direction? Right? Like, how did you get to the place where you were able to um, I mean, is that just kind of naturally inherent to your personality where you're not op- overly empathetic naturally and you've had to learn to, to express more empathy or is it something where you're a caring person and, and there were steps or things that you could do to do that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. It's a, honestly, it's a hard one to answer. Um, 
if you look at my Enneagram, um, or if, you, if, you do, if you talk about Enneagrams or anything like we that. We talk about those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to tell you that. So I'm an Enneagram 4. Okay. Um, so it's going to say, you know, that I'm not real good with feelings and emotions, although I am. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, I've listened to some of your other podcasts, and I think a lot of that has to do with being self-aware of my own story. Yeah. Um, and, some, and some pain and some struggles and things that I've gone through. And so I, I think part of it is my natural tendency. Um, I've had to, to learn really hard how to be very present and, you know, emotions and being in touch with that and being vulnerable um, are, are things that I'm absolutely passionate about now um, as, as really as since I've been married. That's kind of when those things started to be really um, intentional. But some, some like practical tips um, that I've heard throughout the, you know, throughout my way. I mean, so some of them, it depends on my drive, right? So I have a 45 minute drive pretty much everywhere I'm driving. Okay. Um, and so I do a lot of, um, you know, like podcasts or, uh, you know, I have about 12 podcasts that I listen to fairly regularly. About eight of those are sermons. And, you know, I have, like I said, I got quite a few of those things that I'm doing because to, to try to fill my mind uh, I listen to worship music pretty frequently on my iTunes list. And I, I say that because those kind of 45 minute drives give me time to process. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes I, sometimes what I do is that I do a, like a halfway point, you know, um, where you say, okay, I'm going to allow myself to, to think about the sessions and to think about my day for the next 20 minutes or so. And then, when I get to that, you know, halfway point on the way home, then I'm going to switch my brain forward. Yeah. I'm going to start thinking about um, my family and re-entering into that because, I mean, my kids are four. I have, two, I have twin four-year-olds, and if they're awake when I get home, I, I can't be um, in this heavy state of what I've just dealt with the whole day. I have to be present for them because their favorite guy in the world just walked in the door. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I, there's, if I'm honest, there's two, there's, there's times where, where I'm not right. I'll walk in the door and I'm still kind of tense, um, from everything I've just dealt with. And now I have to just flip it on. And so when I'm able to do that, um, get my mind there, when I take that 20 minutes, and I start going, Hey, I'm walking into my, my true ministry. I'm walking into my family, the people who care most about me. I need to be present for them. I'm starting to speak some of those things in my, in my head, like, you know, self-talk and, um, and things like that. Um, you know, another thing I do when I get home is I, I try to put my phone up, um, to try to, so I'm not checking my emails. Cause I mean, clients email me all the time. Yeah, I bet. Um, you know, and, and so my private practice, I'm doing all the scheduling. Mm. Um, when I, cause I also work at a church a little bit and for those, I, I don't, I don't schedule, but private practice, I'm, I'm scheduling all the time. So I try to put my phone up when I get home. I try to put it in the living in, at least in the, in the bedroom um, before the kids go down and everything like that. My wife's going to do her own self care every night too. So she's going to take her bath and everything like that. And when she's doing that, that gives me a chance to kind of check my emails or, yeah. or things like that. But I want to be present for the family. So I, I like the idea of the halfway point. That's a, a good start. Yeah. One thing I was talking to a guy about at the church, um, the other day was I said, you know, one of the things I do is, um, you know, my, my drive is three minutes to the office. So if I'm driving home from the office, it's like, there's no, no thing, but if I have a longer drive, what I do is I try to have like the last 10 or 15 minutes silent. Yeah. Um, because that's one of the things my coach Jim helped me with was because the way my brain is always going, he said, you have to begin to have discipline moments 
of quiet and stillness. And so I started out with five minutes and eventually moved up to about 25 to 30 minutes. Um, and it's not like, you know, you know, just blatant, you know, meditate. My mind's still rolling, but I'm starting to focus on the Lord. I'm mm-hmm. starting to think through, you know, a Psalm. I'm, you know, focusing on my breathing. I'm slowing down. I'm rem- remembering who I am and whose I am and, and what, what's priority. Um, and, and little disciplines and practices like that help, especially with that transition. And especially when you're dealing with hard stories, but sometimes there's stories that, that you are invited to that are heavier or hit you uniquely or differently than mm-hmm. others. And another thing that you had recommended to me was talk to others about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, w- what are some ways that, you know, I mean, obviously as a pastor, we have, and counselors, we have ethical, you know, boundaries on, you know, really what we can share to whom and all that kind of stuff. So, so when you're saying talk to others about it, you know, how do you recommend doing that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, let me, let me start off and kind of say that why I think it's important to talk to others. Um, and, and then I can talk about kind of maybe some practical ways and how to, how to do that. But the first reason I would say that we need to be able to talk to others. Like, even if you, even if you, like, let's say you don't deal with heavy conversations or lots of people's heavy stories all the time, you still need to talk to other people. Like when we talk about my own story and your own story and being self-aware and all of that, oftentimes what we need is we need other people to make sense of that for us. Um, and so when they talk about the brain, right, is that you, you don't really like the whole scripture says, don't be, you know, conformed to this world, but instead by the transforming and the renewing of your mind. Right. And the way I, I get transformed is by talking and processing it with other people. And so just like I would have to do it with my childhood and all of that, I have to be able to talk about, um, certain things that I'm doing here as well. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a few ways to do it. One, um, I can just talk to you. Like, obviously there's confidentiality aspects to it. So I can't, I, I have to be very generic. I, I can talk about, um, generic stories, um, as opposed to, Hey, I'm dealing with Bob and Sarah and here's their story. I can't do that. Bob's the, right. you know, the president of, of, you know, lucid books and yep. you know, I can't, I can't do that kind of thing. Um, but I can still be kind of like, Hey, I'm, I'm having a situation here that I'm having a hard time, um, understand, you know, maybe, maybe one that's hit me personally, maybe it's one that's too close to my story. And honestly, those are the ones that are the most difficult for me to, to handle and process, are the ones that are too close to where I'm at. Yeah. And, and, and I have to be very self-aware of that. Thankfully, I've only had a couple of those. Um, and, you know, the Lord was gracious where I didn't have to maybe keep, keep doing those sessions for whatever reason they kind of uh, filtered out. Um, but some of those are the hardest ones to think. I, you know, I have other therapists that I talk to pretty regularly, other colleagues I have too. And, um, you know, I don't think there's any, any shame in, in counseling. You know, it's one of the things that I try to do my first session with anybody is because I just assume that they have an enigma that counseling is a scary negative place. Right. Like you failed. And so you have to, you know, yeah. Like, and and right. And so like, I, I think I even was that person, you know, <laughs> like, like you only go to, to counseling, like if you're quote, really messed up. Right. Yeah, and, right. and so I think I was that person, even in grad school, I, I hate to say that, but like when I was in grad school, this is where it kind of totally reshaped my thinking. And we were, we were in triads, so we have all these aspiring to be counselors, and we're, we're going to practice, right? We're going to practice counseling one another, and the only rule was that we couldn't lie. Yeah. And so, I'm gonna, you know, we're all going to have 20 minutes as the, as the therapist. We're all going to have 20 minutes as the client, and we're all going to have 20 minutes observing. 
or in triads. And that was the only rule is you can't lie. Yeah. And within several minutes, you know, there's, we're all talking about really heavy stuff, right? <laughs> um, and it just kind of came up. We didn't come there with that goal in mind. But I think we have to, first of all, like you said, kind of get over the idea that I can handle this all on my own because I'm not meant to. Yeah. You do have to have safe people though. Um, you know, I, I, I can't talk to this about people who are not safe people. Right. If they're not safe people, then I'm not going to share stories with. No, that's, that, that's, that's so important because, you know, when you're dealing with delicate issues and you're struggling, you know, on processing them, it's almost important to have people who have some experience with dealing with them because they're not going to just try to fix you. They're just going to be with you. They're going to help you process it. They're going to help you think through it. They're going to help you, you know, protect your heart and your mind, but also, you know, they'll remind you to take care of yourself and that it's not your story. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the beauty of having people there. Um, you know, in, in, on the counseling side, I mean, look, we were not meant to carry this life alone. And for those of us called to leadership, there's a burden that's laid upon us that, that really only other leaders can handle. And so I yeah. have a group of a few pastors that I, I sit with and, um, you know, and carry the load. And, and my elders here at the church, we, we carry a lot of the heavy stuff that's going on inside of the church and right. can do so safely and with confidence, knowing that the other guys aren't going to go blab about it elsewhere. And so that, that's something that's very important. But even if there's personal things in your own life as a leader, you know, I have pastor friends that are not in my church that, that care for me and love my family outside of my role, but just, mm-hmm. just because of who I am. Uh, the final thing that you said is uh, set limits. And you talked a little bit about that with, you know, putting your phone away and things like right. that. Um, you know, I, and <clears throat> there are some, I, I know a few leaders. I'm like, wow those guys have boundaries down. Like they, they nail it at boundaries. Most of us don't. Um, and you know, and so we're, we're carrying heavy burdens. We're, you know, not my story is a boundary issue. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, self-care is a boundary issue. Um, but you said set, set limits. And, um, you know, I, in, in one of the things you had mentioned to me is like, well, Hey man, your time is valuable. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But I don't think other people see it that way. <laughs> um, and, you know, cause I have, you know, all the time where if I, like, if there's several people, if I just called with a random idea or thought at 11 o'clock on a Saturday or Sunday night, they would probably be offended. Right. But because <laughs> of my role, I get that. Like, I mean, the other night I got something around 10 o'clock, someone telling me they need to start a new program at the church. And, um, you know, this guy's a friend of mine and I'm fine with it, but it's like having limits, you know, inbound one, why should I have had my phone near me where I could have seen that? Right. So boo on me. Um, but, uh, but talk a little bit about just, kind of as we're, as we're wrapping up this episode, you know, what are some helpful ways that we can begin thinking about setting some limitations? And, um, you know, I, I think we could have another whole episode talking about not allowing our identity to be found in our role, but, oh, um, yeah. right. Yeah. That's a whole, whole other subject to talk about, but, uh, just talk a little bit for us about setting some limits. Yeah. I think so much of it's on us, um, on the kind of the expectations we, we put on people, right. If we don't, if we don't let them know expectations on front, then they're probably going to violate it. Um, and that's, that's the hard thing, you know, because ultimately if you think about, um, you know, people trying to push limits or trying to push boundaries, it's, it's honestly, it's because they just don't know better. And I don't, I don't mean that to sound harsh. You know, Maya Angelou has a, a quote that I'll paraphrase cause I don't remember the exact quote, but, um, you know, she says, we just do the best, best you can until you know better. Yeah. Once you know better, you must do better. Yeah. Right. And so if we haven't set these expectations up front, okay, I'm not, we're not shaming you. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of not doing that. Don't shame people. But now that we know, Hey, we got to set some boundaries. We got to set some limits. We have to do it. Um, 
you know, and so I, I think it's a, a good, a good point, but because if, if you don't value yourself, then nobody else will. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I, I have to, you know, it, it's, it goes back to like, you, you know, like we said, we could talk about identity and not finding that in, in other people. But if I don't find my, my value in myself, I can't find it in my wife. Like it's not my wife's job. It's not my kids too. I have to know, like you said earlier, this idea of who I am and whose I am, yeah. that I am loved by God. God loves me. And I want to be able to sit and just, you know, relish in the fact that he delights in me. Yeah. And he cares about me. And even if I don't do a single thing for him again, he loves me unconditionally. Yeah. And that is, you know, and, and I'm missing the mark. You know, I'm missing the mark frequently. Frequently I mess up. You know, Matthew 5.48 basically calls us to perfection. Right. You know, and, I, and I'm missing that mark. But this idea that despite me missing the mark, God's still meeting my needs. And, and so there must be something about me that's worth God meeting my needs. And if God thinks there's something about worth meeting my needs, I think it's okay if I take care of myself as well. Absolutely. I mean, right. As followers of Jesus, our, our Christ in us is our hope. And yes. you know, God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf mm. so that through him, we might become the righteousness of God. And so because Christ is in us, Christ, God looks at the follower of Christ and sees the infinite value of his son within us. And so Christ makes up for what we're lacking and uh, invites us to allow, I mean, ultimately, right. It's him carrying the burden. Right. And yes. I think, I think for some of us leaders, we get this messianic complex that <laughs> we've got to be the, the surrogate savior when really no, right. we're tour guides and um, you know, and, and making that gap. So we're out of time for now, Aaron, thanks so much for being with me on here. Why don't you take a moment? Just tell us a little bit about your book. Again, you told us about your book. Where can we find it? Uh, where can we connect with you? How can people connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the book, once again, it's called A Stronger Knot, Tying Together United Marriage. Um, it's on you know Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. We also have a website. If you go to that website, it's a strongerknot.com. Um, that's a website. We've got a blog there and everything like that. And yeah, so thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. And this is all for today, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.